So, if you have a Bible with you, turn it to Ephesians chapter uh, 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, we're going to strike a deal uh, this morning. I, it's very hot, I know, in there, uh, but it's extremely hot here with lights on, okay? So, here's the deal. No, no, you don't need to turn them down. Here's the deal. I'm going to give you everything I've got, and you're going to respond with everything you've got. Are we making a deal this morning? Excellent. So, Ephesians chapter 6, we are continuing our series on the armour of God. And uh, if you're new to church or you're fairly new to church, you're thinking, what on earth do you mean by the armour of God? That's what we're unpacking in this series. And for others of you, as we've been saying over the last two weeks, maybe you know about the armour of God. Maybe if we were to give you a diagram, you could label all the different parts of the armour of God. You maybe remember singing songs about the armour of God and all that kind of different stuff. But the question we're asking in this series is not, do you know what it is? The question we're asking in this series is, do you know how to use the armour of God in order to do the things that God has called you to do and live the life that God has called you to live? So very quick recap uh, for those who have missed any of the previous two weeks. Week one, uh, we took time to introduce the topic. And a key takeaway thought that we looked at at that time was this, that we are spiritual people experiencing a daily spiritual battle. Right now, that's not something to be fearful of. That's not something um, to be distracted by in our everyday life or get weird about. But we are to live in the knowledge of it, that we are living in a spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is more real than the real realm that you are in, the material realm that you are in. And we are spiritual beings in a spiritual realm. And we need to understand that through the armor of God, we have everything that we need to stand our ground. We are equipped with everything that we need in Christ. And remember the point that we made in week one, that we are already victorious. Okay, so stop wasting your Christian life trying to win a victory that Jesus has already won. Sometimes you, you speak to Christians like, oh, I've just got to get the victory. Now, don't mishear me. I know sometimes we need to see the victory outworked. But sometimes you speak to Christians, it's like Jesus has done nothing. And it's all on them to transform their life. Don't they? Jesus has already won the victory on your behalf. All we now need to do is enforce the victory that he has won for us through the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. So that was the first week. And then last week, Mark did a brilliant job of teaching on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And I love the thought that came through very strongly in what he shared that actually all of this is useless. The whole armour of God is useless if we don't know what it is first to be rooted in love. And so when we're using the armour of God, we've got to be doing it from a foundation and an understanding of the love of God and being rooted in that love. I want to move on today to look at two other facets of this armour. But again, this is not just for information or for head knowledge. This is about our life transforming in the year 2023 and how we're to effectively use these things. So Ephesians chapter 6 We're going to begin at verse 10, read down to verse 18, verses that I hope that you're becoming very familiar with over this series. And then we're going to focus in on two particular aspects. So it says this, a final word. Remember, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Ephesus and the way that he wraps it up is he says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now again, we don't have to get weird about that. That's just a reality. And so because of all of that, here's what he says. Therefore, 
What's the reason that we're doing this? Because of the fact that we're in a spiritual battle. Therefore, pull on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor or the breastplate of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Okay, a great bit of scripture, um, but we're going to focus in on verses 15 and verse 16 this morning. We're going to look at the shoes and the shield. So verse 15 says this, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. The NIV talks about having our feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The Amplified says, strap on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. So let's just pause here for a moment and think firstly about why Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and Mark opened this up brilliantly about what, who the church in Ephesus was last week, and you can catch up with that. But why does Paul, I was going to say, why does Mark write to the church in Ephesus? Why does Paul write to the church in Ephesus and talk about these shoes? And what purpose do they have for us spiritually? And what purpose do they have in the year 2023? Because when we think about natural armor, when you think of a soldier, shoes can seem a little irrelevant, right? You think about the sword, you think about the shield, you think about all this stuff that they go into, art, into battle with, but you don't really give a whole lot of thought to footwear. But if you think about it, not only would a soldier look pretty dumb if he had all the gear, all the stuff, and yet was actually just walking around barefoot. But in those days and today, if you're on a battlefield, you don't want to be barefoot. There are things that you could step on that would cause immense pain and would stop you from being fully focused on the battle before you. Now, probably hardly any of us have ever been on a physical battlefield. Some of you may have been in the military at one time or another. So most of us don't know what it's like to stand on a physical battlefield. But probably all of us know what it's like to step on something that may be minute and causes immense pain in your foot. Right? How many of you have ever stepped on Lego? Right? I mean, that's one of life's big fundamental theological questions. How can something so minute and insignificant cause so much pain? If you've never stepped on Lego, maybe you've had this one, you've stepped on a plug. I mean, the agony of that moment, when that's why I think on, on, you know, in Europe and stuff like that, they only have two prongs. They're slightly more clever than us. But we have three prongs that you step onto and the immense pain in that moment. Or you know what it's like to be on a pebbly beach and, and you're just so desiring a sandy beach as you're trying to make your way across like we were on Eastney Beach last week and trying to walk around without your feet getting hurt and I remember a few years ago when we were on holiday and this sounds like a really first world problem but when we were on holiday in Italy um, sometimes the sand would get so hot that you had to be really careful because you could burn the bottom of your feet I understand how much of a first world problem that is right when we were on holiday and the sand got so hot I understand that but you, you get the point that I'm making that sometimes footwear can seem insignificant, but Paul knew what he was talking about in this moment, and he knew how that relates to us spiritually, because the last thing you want to be thinking about when you're in a battle is wondering about where to step and where not to step. And you think about the battle 
that was taking place in those times, there would have been fiery darts all around you as we're going to look at in a moment. And you don't want to be thinking, okay, where do I step? Where do I go? So ultimately, without footwear, your ability to stand your ground, your ability to take ground is affected. Correct footwear allows us to step freely and without fear as we turn our attention to the battle at hand. So what's that got to do with us in the year 2023? And what does the whole gospel of peace thing have to do with our footwear? How is the gospel of peace related to shoes? Now remember, when we talk about gospel, the word gospel means good news. You can dress it up however ways you want, but the gospel simply means good news. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, for as a power. It's power, it's good news, referring to all that Jesus has done for us. And the gospel, we could be here all day unpacking just what the gospel is, but the gospel gives us so much. And amongst other things, one of the things that it gives to us is peace. Right? When we experience and we receive the gospel, we receive peace in, in so many different ways and different avenues. We understand what it's like to have relational peace very often. Because all of a sudden, we want to forgive other people having understood how much we have been forgiven. We experience an internal peace, inner peace. But all of that comes first and foremost from the most important peace, which is peace with God. Because all the time that you're not walking in relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ and responding to the gospel message, you will never experience peace. That's why there are so many people out there in your workplace on the streets who are wandering around searching for peace in so many different things. They will never experience peace until they respond to the good news of the gospel of peace. Romans 5 verse 1 says, therefore, since we have been justified, you say, well, what does that mean? It unpacks it. That means acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God and a whole bunch of other things. How have we been justified? By faith. So since we've been justified by faith, let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with him for our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah and the anointed one. So throughout the the Bible, the New Testament, the Gospels refer to as a number of different things. The Gospel of the Kingdom, the Gospel of this, the Gospel of that. But one of the ways that it's described here is the Gospel of Peace. And again, as we've just said, it simply means good news. So Paul's saying, have your feet shod with the good news of the Gospel. But notice he doesn't just say that. He talks about preparedness. He talks about preparation. In the New King James Version, it says, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So let's just pause there. What on earth does that mean? And that word preparation, when you actually look into it, speaks of a foundation. So he's talking about having this gospel as your firm footing, this foundation, that the gospel of peace literally becomes your firm footing. Because listen, when the gospel of peace is your firm footing, it's all about Jesus and nothing to do with you. Right? Jesus becomes our foundation. Your faith is to be based on Jesus, not your good works. Do you know that this morning? Your faith, your salvation is not earned by works, the Bible says, but by faith in him. Your forgiveness is through his blood, not your penance. Your victory and your freedom comes from him, not your own self-development. It's all about Jesus. Do we believe that today? The good news of Jesus and what he's done. And that becomes our firm foundation. So that's one aspect of it. Now another aspect 
that Mark touched upon last week when actually he made a valid point that you can know all this stuff, but if you don't apply it and if you don't have that foundation of love, then it doesn't matter. But one of the things that he mentioned in passing was the fact that these shoes in historical times in those days would have these nails uh, or spikes at the bottom of them. And, and the main aim of that was that, again, you could stand your ground. When the enemy was coming against you, you had firm footing. Now, again, let's bring that into our spiritual context and what we've looked at so far in this series that the main aim in this battle is to stand firm when the enemy is coming at you when the enemy is bombarding your life when you feel overwhelmed God wants you to be in a place of spiritual maturity where you don't try and rely on your own strength and ability remember the series we've just come out of it's not by might not by human power but by God's spirit but we're in a place where we are on the foundation of Christ and we begin to stand firm on the gospel of peace. Jesus said his gospel, his peace, becomes our foundation. John 14, 27. Jesus was speaking to his followers and just before he ascended to heaven, he says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do you know, it's not just the world out there searching for peace. Sometimes there's believers who come to church week in week out and are still striving to find an element of peace in their lives when actually Jesus said my peace I am giving to you as a follower of mine let not be let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid so here's a good question to ask ourselves are we more often troubled and afraid or at peace Ask yourself, honestly, today, am I somebody who's constantly concerned about this or that, what other people are doing, what the news is broadcasting? Am I constantly worried about my finances, my health, my children? Or am I standing firm, untroubled? Because God has equipped us with this armor that enables us to stand firm, knowing that our foundation is based on Jesus, not on what we do. See, here's the problem. In our world, we think of peace as the absence of conflict. In our internal world, in our personal world, we think of peace as August when we're going to go on holiday and be away from the stresses and the concerns of life, right? That's how we so often operate. And some of you, uh, I say it tongue-in-cheek, but it's a reality. You're waiting each year until August to experience peace. That's not what Jesus has for you. Because true peace is when we can go through anything in life and it can be going on all around us, but within ourselves, we still have the peace of Christ that the world cannot give, but the world cannot take away either. The Bible shows us that peace is more than just the absence of conflict. Peace is more than just the absence of stress. You can have all sorts of stuff going on around your life, yet still be a man or a woman of peace. Because it's not based on you, it's based on Jesus. And he has equipped you with this Paul is saying here just as the shoes allow you to walk over difficult ground without fear just as the shoes enable you to stand firm against the enemy so the gospel of peace enables you to walk over difficult seasons painful moments the trials and the tribulations that Jesus himself said we would face and we can keep going knowing that ultimately what awaits us is far greater than any temporary struggle that we may face in life the shoes of the gospel of peace. Then we come to verse 16. You still with me? Yeah. I know it's hot. Stick with it. Verse 16, the shield of faith. The New Living Translation says this. In addition to all of these, hold up. Everybody say, hold up. Hold up. 
hold out the shield of faith to stop the, to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. The Amplified says this, above all, lift up, say lift up, the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, here's the reason I got you to do that, because up until now, all of the stuff that Paul's talking about is stuff that we wear. The belt, the breastplate, the shoes, and as long as the belt is tightened properly, then it's all just going to hold itself up. Yet the reality of the shield is that this is the first thing that we need to actively get involved in, apart from obviously wearing the armour, and we need to hold up the shield of faith. Paul says this is something that we take up, we hold up, it's something that we need to raise. So just strapping it to our arm isn't going to make a whole lot of difference, you'll still get hit. And so a good question to ask ourselves is, we can be people who have faith, but do we actively use our faith? You can have the shield of faith. You can walk around with it. You can leave it at home. You can have it propped up on a chair. You can have it on your arm. But actually, are you actively, day by day, lifting up the shield of faith so that you are somebody who operates out of a place of faith? Now, when Paul was writing this, as we've been saying throughout, it's all to do with what he saw of Roman armor and, and how he applied that to us spiritually. And so in those days, they had these shields that weren't like these little round, tiny shields that you may have seen sometimes. They, they were these huge shields. They were almost a door. They were as big as you as a person. And so they covered everything and they protected everything in life. It was huge. It wasn't this little round thing. Also, the shield wasn't just defensive. With it, you could push back the enemy. And so all these things, we're seeing how Paul is talking about something practical, but applying it to our spiritual lives. Now, here's a point that I want to make, and we're going to come back to our individual shield. But let me just pull out an important analogy from this. Because you see, when the Roman soldiers were fighting, and I've shared this before, when the Roman soldiers were fighting, they would stand shoulder to shoulder. And they would come with these shields. And it's a little bit like if you've ever seen riot police, a, a, a game, a sports game, or when a riot's kicking off in London or whatever, and they're walking with these riot shields. And they've got some in front of them, some above them. And so they're having this formation where they're protecting themselves and each other. It's called a phalanx formation. And you think of riot police, this is what they do. And it was actually called, and we're going to put a picture up of it, where they're standing in formation. This is how they would be as they went into battle together. This was called a testudo, which is where you get the word tortoise, because of the shell and the protection. And I look at that this morning, and I see this. I look at that this morning, and I see it as a picture of the church and the body of believers. Now, why is this important? Because we are living in a day and an age where people are out to deconstruct the church. We are living in a day and an age where people are saying, I don't need the church, it's just me and God. Me and God in my living room, I don't need anybody else around me, it's just going to be me and God. Let, let me say this very clearly, it's deception, it's not biblical, and of course the enemy wants to take you away from a body of believers. Now don't mishear me, of course you can worship on your own. I'm not saying, the pastor says we can't pray on our own. No, no, let's not... You know, misquote what's being said this morning. Of course you can pray by yourself. Of course we're to worship by ourselves. But God has set the church in place to be this, to be the protection around us, to grow us, to keep us accountable, to be part of the body of Christ. When the church stands strong, when the church is united, together we are made stronger in the battle and together we can take ground. 
That's why this is so important. Listen to these verses, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, written by Solomon, when he was talking about the importance of not going it alone. And as I was preparing, I really felt to include this in for anybody who's saying, do you know what, I'm hearing a lot about other people saying the church has had its day. No, the church will have its day when Jesus says the church has had its day, when he comes to collect it and his beautiful bride, and then we'll go on to eternity. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I want to encourage you as we talk about the armor of God, don't forget the power of connecting with other believers. To me, that is a picture of a church. That is a picture of your connect group. That is a picture of friendships around you who will keep you strong and grow you. Spiritual protection is found within the body of Christ. Okay, let's go back to our individual shield of faith. Because Paul says something here. He says that not only does the shield protect you, But the shield will go even further than that. It will actually extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. Now think about these darts for a moment. In those days, just in case you didn't know, I hope you leave us in the surprise. There were no tanks, okay? There were no rocket launchers, missile launchers. There were no nuclear weapons in the time of the Bible. And all they had, well, amongst other things, were these bow and arrows. And so they would have these, these arrows, these darts that they would fire. And these had these metal tips. And what they would do just before firing these darts is they would put tar all over the metal tips and they would light them. And so when the enemy was coming against you, you would have all of these darts coming at you from all different directions. And of course, obviously, part of the aim was to injure the person, but it was also to cause confusion, panic and fear. Because if you didn't know where the darts were coming from, if you saw these fiery darts coming, you could cause confusion, you could cause panic, you could cause fear. Let's bring that into our context today. Every day the enemy is firing things at your life to cause confusion and fear and panic. And they come in the form of thoughts and lies and imaginations and fears and false narratives and all these things that are held by us by Satan as these darts. He'll fire the dart of fear, temptation, hurt, anger, offense. In fact, what I've learned in my own life and in pastor and others is that the enemy knows where you are most vulnerable. Just as the enemy naturally then would have worked out, where should we fire? What should we do? Do you know the enemy of your soul knows exactly where you are most vulnerable and will stop at nothing to keep coming to aim the arrows at you. He'll try anything to get you to disobey God. He'll try anything to disunify the church. He'll try anything to break your fellowship with God and with others. He'll fire the arrow of temptation in the air of lust or greed or revenge. He'll fire an arrow of anxiety and fear. Some of you, your mind is being bombarded with anxiety and fear and the enemy is coming day after day after day. But think about this. The only time he can hit you is when you lower your shield of faith. But the enemy, the bad news is he'll come every single day. The good news is the only time he can hit you is when you choose to lower your shield 
of faith. That's why it's great to have people behind you as well with their own shield of faith because the enemy would, oh, it's not working. Let's go round the back and try and get them there. No, no, no. There's somebody from my local church standing alongside me and protecting me and praying me and covering me with prayer because we know that when we stand together, we are stronger. When we choose to follow our own, our own opinions over God's wisdom, we're lowering the shield of faith. When we say, oh, that's outdated, we're lowering the shield of faith. When we try to live from a place of self-righteousness instead of relying on the righteousness of Jesus, we're lowering the shield of faith. Right now in your life, you know the enemy is throwing darts at you. You probably don't have to think too long about what area that is. I know what it is for me. The enemy will come day after day. But here's the answer. God has given you a shield. Right, so often you hear people, and we spoke about it in week one, and say, oh, the enemy's just attacking me again. Well, sometimes actually it's not, as we looked at in week one. Sometimes it's a lack of common sense. Sometimes it's something else. But do you know what? When we're all the time saying the enemy has, has come and he's attacking me and he's doing this, do you know what we're doing? We're glorifying him. We're not glorifying Jesus. Far greater say, oh, yeah, it's been a bit of a tough week. But do you know what? I'm responding with a shield of faith because no weapon fashioned against my life is going to prosper. He may try to fashion weapons, but they will not prosper because I will lift up my shield of faith that God has equipped me with. Hebrews 11 verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Substance is concrete. Evidence is solid proof. And so when we're responding with a shield of faith, when we lift up our shield of faith, we're acknowledging faith is not an emotion based on how I'm feeling. Sometimes, let let me tell you into a secret, it will shock you as your pastor. Sometimes I don't feel faith-filled. Sometimes I, I feel angry sometimes I don't feel human right don't leave me up here on my own right <laughs> oh look at you always faith-filled ah you left me hanging up here didn't you <laughs> wow thanks God. sometimes I won't if I rely on my emotions but faith isn't an emotion faith is based on the truth of what God has spoken over my life and so when the enemy comes oh, I may not feel do you know what I'm going to pray and as I lift up my shield of faith I will extinguish what he's thrown at my life and the people around me we need to respond with truth. We'll talk more about the sort of, the sort of truth later on, sort of a spirit. But as Mark said last week, we can only respond with truth when actually we know the truth. You can say, yeah, I'm going to respond with truth. Do we actually know the truth? I'm not talking about my truth, your truth, as Mark looked at last week. We're talking about the, the, the truth of God. Because even the enemy knows God's truth, but he twists it. Yes. Matthew chapter 4 there's a moment where Jesus is tempted, he's in the wilderness, and the enemy comes. What does the enemy use? He doesn't use something obvious. He uses the truth that's been twisted. But what does Jesus do? He responds with a shield of faith, with a sword of a spirit. He says, you can come at me with that verse, but let me show you how you've misquoted it, and let me show you the truth of what God is speaking. Because the shield of faith doesn't just stop the darts hitting us. Paul says we extinguish the darts. We put them out. Not only can faith handle the impact of them, it can put out false truths. So what do we do? We read God's word. You can't be armed with truth if you don't actually know the truth. We respond and we obey God's word. Not just the bits you like. The bits that challenge you as well. The bits that you get to and you're like, oh, just, just go over that and no one will notice. Now those bits as well that God wants you to live in the power of. And the word enables us to resist the devil. What, what does the Bible say will happen when you resist the devil? He will flee. Now, 
what we often leave out is that he'll come back for the following day. But we've been equipped with everything we need to see him flee again in our life. We respond with faith. Okay, let's wrap this up. Helen, you can come up. We're going to pray for people. So I want to encourage you this morning. You don't have to be overwhelmed by life. I know there may be people around your life who say, oh, you know, it's terrible. Let, let me come. And sometimes, you know, my role in your life is to irritate you with truth. But it's truth. You do not have to be overwhelmed by life. Not many other people outside in the world will tell you that. They'll tell you, you need to be stressed. You need to worry. You need to do this. We'll, we'll pump you full of drugs. We'll do this. You do not have to be overwhelmed by life because God has given you what you need in order to stand firm. How? By knowing, experiencing, and living in the strength of the gospel of peace. By lifting up your shield of faith. Again, not, not these little things that we do in picture form. This is a reality. We respond with a shield of faith. By using the truth of God's word. By using the knowledge of who God is. By coming together with other believers and standing firm. And when we do that, we experience the truth of Ephesians 6.13. Let me just share this again. We looked at this in week one. But to me, do you know, my aim coming out of this series is not that you would know a little bit more about the armor of God. As Mark said, if we just know details about stuff, it's pointless. But my aim as your pastor coming out of this series is that, as it's going to come up on the screen, this is your reality. You will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands, whatever your crisis may be in this moment and it may be something else in the future, having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm this is what we want we don't just want people to come to church and then live miserable lives we don't want people to just sing songs and then live defeated lives during the week we want a body of believers who know what it is to stand firm in our place fully prepared immovable victorious anybody want that for their lives this morning that we would be fully prepared immovable and victorious So let me underline again what I said in week one and what Mark echoed so well in week two. This isn't a nice little study we're doing to fill a few weeks, okay? Please know that. This is life. This is life. We are in a spiritual battle. We have an enemy who wants to take you out. And I look at my life, I don't want to magnify the devil. I don't want to live in fear of him. But the Bible does tell me to live conscious of him. And I know that every single day the enemy is coming at my life individually, at my life to take me out. He wants my marriage with Kirsty to be broken. He wants my kids in a terrible situation. He wants family church haven to be disunified, to crumble, to be nothing. He wants my friends and my family to be taken out. He, he will stop at nothing. Do you know, here's a problem. Some of you, your vision of the devil is too nice. You think he's slightly nasty. The devil wants you dead. Oh, that's a bit over the top. No, no, no. Read your Bible. That's the truth. The enemy will stop at nothing to ruin your marriage, to ruin your relationship with your kids. He wants you destitute. He wants you in that place where you feel so overwhelmed and defeated. The enemy will stop at nothing. And we can just sit there and take his attacks day after day, day after day, feeling like there's no place of victory in our lives. We can come to church and be nice Christians and still live defeated lives. Or else we can know the armor of God that he has given us, not theoretically or in picture form, but in real life and respond 
in the way of knowing that we are victorious. So let me just pray for you this morning because I just want to pray for every single person that you would know this week what it is to stand in a place of victory and not to be overwhelmed by life. So we're just going to pray for that to be a reality in your life. Please don't mishear what I'm saying this morning. I'm not saying stuff isn't happening. I'm not saying it's not difficult. Jesus said we would face trials and tribulations, but he also said this, take heart because I've overcome the world. So I'm not minimizing your problems or your pain this morning. What I'm doing is reminding you of what God has equipped you with in order to respond to the things that you are facing. So let's just pray in this moment. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is living and active. And Father, I just feel over this passage of scripture that we're looking at, Lord, hopefully not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that this is a now word. This is a rhema word that you are speaking to us because Holy Spirit, you want the church and family church having in this community, in this area, to be people who are strong and not defeated, to be people who rely on you and not on themselves, to be people who are unified and, and examples of your love to the world out there. And Holy Spirit, I just pray for every Every single person who walks into this place feeling defeated, feeling overwhelmed, feeling confused, feeling like there are darts coming from every single angle and they're about to be hit. Father, we stand on your truth and we declare your truth that we have been equipped with every single thing that we need to live a life of victory, to be immovable, to stand firm and to declare what you have done in our lives. So Father, I thank you that you give us the courage and the strength this week to hold hold up, to lift up that shield of faith. Father, I pray that you would bring this word to remembrance on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, when there's temptations that bombard our mind, when there's fears that come our way, when there's anxieties that knock on the door, when all these things, these wrong thoughts come, Holy Spirit, these darts that attack our lives, that we will know that weapons will be fashioned against us, but we will know the truth, that they will not prosper as we hold up our shield of faith and in you, you extinguish the things that the enemy is throwing at us. Father, as we learn to resist the enemy, thank you that he will flee. And Father, we just speak life and we just speak health over marriages. Father, what the enemy is plotting and planning over marriages, we stop right now in the name of Jesus. What the enemy is planning in people's finances and people's health, what the enemy is planning over different situations, we pull a stop to that right now. And we as a collective church, as a people, in that formation and that picture that we looked at, we stand shoulder to shoulder, side by side, and we say, not on our watch, not on our time. And over this community, Father, of Lee Park that we love, we say, not on our watch, that we'll be watchmen for this community. And we will hold up a shield of faith over this community. And we say your will be done in our lives, in our families, in this church, in this area of Lee Park. Father, we give you all the glory and all the praise. And may this word just continue to just bear fruit in our lives as we journey for our week. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give God thanks for his word in our lives.